Welcome to the Panic Pod. Today we've got a special episode about anxiety in education. I'm joined by a special guest, Hannah Strickland from the University of Manchester. And today I'll be fielding questions from Hannah and discussing with Hannah anxiety in the role of education, in education, in whether it's teachers or students. And I'll try and answer the questions as best as I can. Um, how are you doing today, Hannah? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me. Um, really excited. We've got some questions from some of our trainee teachers on the oh. secondary PGCE program at the University of Manchester. Um, so oh, yeah, shall, shall we jump? Shall we jump straight in? Yeah, that sounds great. I'm ready to field some questions from the trainee teachers. Um, at the University of Manchester. I'm a bit nervous now, actually, but here we go. <laughs> um, I'm sure you're not as nervous as they are. Um, okay, so student anxiety, first of all, what kinds of anxiety might students in schools be experiencing and how will we know? How will the, the trainee teacher know? Really, really good question. What kinds of anxiety? Um, yes, because it's important. There are different types of anxiety and anxiety presents itself uh, in different ways. Um, first of all, I like to break it down between um, conventional anxiety. So conventional anxiety is when we worry about things usually external from us. So we worry about deadlines. We worry about what people think of us. We worry about um, general worries to do with, with school, relationships, exams, achievements, grades. Uh, mm -hmm. maybe maybe we're worried about things at home. This is conventional anxiety, and it can be overwhelming for students. Um, and just so it's worth exploring whether that anxiety is something that can be kind of addressed, like it's something specific. But also what I am a huge advocate for um, exploring and raising awareness for is the other type of anxiety, and that is disordered anxiety, uh, excessive disordered anxiety. And this is the kind of anxiety that, I don't know whether it's been on the rise or just more people are talking about it, but I definitely know a lot of um, students have it. And this is the anxiety where we worry about anxiety itself. This is what anxiety about having panic attacks. This is anxiety around looking anxious in front of other people. It's anxiety mm -hmm. that, that presents in a disordered way, like OCD, like uh, OCD and self-harm, minor self-harm, um, whether it's skin picking, hair pulling, all these kind of ritualistic behaviors that present um, as disordered anxiety. And you've got to kind of, I think it's really helpful for teachers and school staff to know the different types of anxiety because I've heard some really really bad stories about kind of you know of uh, addressing students who are anxious and then them saying oh um well, you haven't really got anything to worry about you're fine you're fine but actually their anxiety is inwards you know I'm worried about right. panicking I'm, I'm I'm scared of my sensations or they're pulled into a kind of disordered anxiety where they end up going around in circles and loops, and that does kind of need some some intervention um, yeah. or, and education. 
and education and, and our, t- our trainee teachers know what to do in terms of safeguarding protocols. But that's really interesting in hearing um, that idea of telling people they're OK to try and help them. But that being mm. a really detrimental thing to do, mm. Tr- oh. trying to kind of diminish it. In so could, is that is that right? Kind of to d- does it diminish it or? And half the anxiety is feeling alienated and isolated with it. So if you've got a, a student who's presenting with anxiety, whether it's panic or OCD or just feeling overwhelmed, normalizing it and just saying, oh, you're struggling with a bit with anxiety here. Yeah, this is okay. A lot of people struggle with this. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with you. It's okay. This is adrenaline. This is cortisol. Let me guess. Your thoughts are racing. Let me guess you're imagining all these worst case scenarios. Do you want to share some of them and we can you know we can get them out in the open and actually see that they're just thoughts? You know, you're okay. And I find that that approach, that attitude helps to yeah, diminish or address at least half the student's anxiety. You yeah. Know, because they feel heard, they feel listened to, and they don't feel um strange, they don't feel abnormal. That's so important, isn't it? Um, and it's it will take um, teachers some, and training teachers, take them some time to get confident having that conversation. But part of it, um, as you were just saying, is about their own psychoeducation, understanding what anxiety is, what it looks like, um, how, what it does to the body, um, and then being able to help educate um, students with that um, when the need arises. Mm. Um, so that's that's really interesting. Mm, yeah, definitely. Psychoeducation is a huge one, um, but but knowing what you're talking about as well, I think um, I think anxiety is often just kind of brushed under an umbrella. But if you know the different types of anxiety, I think that's even more helpful, particularly and mm. a massive one. I don't envy um, the youth nowadays, but a massive one is social anxiety and the pressures of that and social media and having to to present in a certain way and having communication stripped away from kind of face-to-face conversation and 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 yeah and of course that's going to be even sorry that that's going to be even more pronounced at the moment isn't it because in different ways because the ways of socializing now have changed so just as people were getting used to one set of rules now there's a whole nother set of rules about how people are socializing yeah Definitely, and and that should be considered as well. Particularly if you you you're gonna work with shy students, you're gonna work with students that are quite low on confidence, and they're the students that are particularly susceptible to experiencing anxiety as well. Um, mm. And I think it's just it's it's important and essential to to realise that if if you're going into the into the classroom. Yeah, thank you. Um, something trainee teachers often share are concerns about managing their own stress. Um, wh- and I've I've heard you talk before about um, uh, the analogy of a stress jug um, and a, a question that just amalgamating some questions that we've had together. And what I want to put to you is how can trainee teachers ensure that their stress jug doesn't overflow? Yeah, using one of my analogies. Um, brilliant. Yeah, the stress jug. Um, I remember doing this at uh, the University of Manchester last year. Uh, and, and yes, the Inclusion Inspiration Conference. 
Yeah, the Inclusion and Inspiration yeah. Conference. That, that's wonderful. That's going on. Um, yeah, uh, the stress jug. So when people ask me where excessive disordered anxiety comes from, i.e. panic attacks, feeling overwhelmed, feeling dysfunctional, can't get out of bed, can't face the day, constant ruminating, basically in a really highly anxious rut. This occurs because stress gets too much. There's not enough balance in our life. And what happens is the anxious response or the threat response kicks off because it misinterprets all that stress as danger. Now, I like to describe this through using the metaphor of um, a stress jug. Uh, so imagine we all have a stress jug. Um, the size of that stress jug is dependent on your genetics. So if your mum and dad were worriers like mine, then you're going to have a pretty small jug to deal with stress, you know, because <laughs> you inherit the, the nerves. However, if, um, you know, if your parents are chilled out, you're more likely to have inherited their nerves, but you're still susceptible to feeling anxious no matter what the size of the jug is. Um, anyway, mm -hmm. if you picture all your stresses, day-to-day -day stresses, um, they go in the jug. They're like liquid. They pour into the jug. So if you worry about money, pour that into the jug. If you worry about your relationship, you pour that into the jug. You if worry you worry about, about your lesson plans and your marking and uh, the trip oh, and yes. meeting a new class and yes. remembering the names of the students and remembering the names of your colleagues and remembering and, your way around the school. <laughs> and that upcoming intimidating observation that, that you um, fr from the Manchester University staff with the piercing oh, eyes. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, that's uh, all of that building up, which is fine because, you know, you're human, you can deal with stress. However, not everyone comes into a teaching course with a completely empty jug. You might come with your own life stresses in your personal life. You know, there might be things happening to you at the moment that, that are outside the world of teaching. Maybe, you know, particularly in your personal life, whether it's um, grief or troubles at home or maybe there's stuff that you've just not processed in the past. Either way, if you're feeling okay at the start of your course, to do the course, you can you can finish the course. But what happens is if so much stress fills up that jug, the jug overflows and the threat response kicks off. And that's when we get a flood of adrenaline, a load of fear, a load of what-if thoughts, a mm -hmm. whoosh as if, oh my gosh, something bad's going to happen. Scary, intrusive thoughts suddenly feel more real. We start to play out catastrophic scenarios in our minds, tossing and turning in bed, trying to solve them. Um, and that's when the jug's overflowing. And that's when we can get stuck in sticky cycles which I imagine yeah. is quite common on a teacher training course. I bet some people um, <laughs> do end up in, in those sticky cycles. Um, um, we the get reason... them through it, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can. There's, there's nothing wrong with your jug overflow. It's just really uncomfortable, and it can be quite scary and exhausting. Yeah. But what you've got to do is you've got to empty the jug, and a, and a quick, easy one to do that. Um, obviously, seek support and stuff as you're going through a stressful time. But a quick, easy way to empty your jug is to find balance. You've got to have balance and you've got to have rest. The jug fills up because our sympathetic nervous system, our stress response, 
is constantly triggered by marking, lesson plans, deadlines, uh, essays, w- w- everything that's required yeah. on the teaching course. So what's really important is personal boundaries in the sense that, okay, I've really used my sympathetic nervous system a lot today. My jug has filled up quite a lot. Now I need balance. So that is, okay, mm. it's a certain time now, no more. Close the laptop, watch some trash on TV, relax, you know, have a bath, listen to an audio book, doing whatever it is that relaxes for you because actually that's what you need to do. The people yeah. who end up anxious don't stop. They're like, if I just complete all these to-do lists, I'll feel better. And that is the sticky situation that you can end up in. We have, well, we have um, uh, a saying that Andy, our course leader, um, always likes to say, which is about really trying to get trainee teachers to understand what's good enough, because there's always mm. more you can do. Um, but I wanted to just pick up on what you said about, yeah, watching TV and doing things. How, how do we make sure that we kick in our parasympathetic nervous system? Because like sometimes I, I speak to trainee teachers who are struggling and they say that they're not ever, they, they don't really feel like they're ever properly focused on what they're doing. They're not really ever properly in the moment that as much as they want to be in it. So they get sucked into watching YouTube and then they're um, kind of avoiding work and then they end up going back to work really late. So when you talk mm. about personal boundaries, like how, like how can you actually, what's your advice to how to do that in practice Mm. um i think structure and organization and permission are all uh, the important factors in that um when i did teacher training um i had to be very uh, kind of sensible in the sense in the sense that okay once i hit a certain time i give myself permission to not have for that not to have my focus for the rest of the day um also reframing not doing your work as part of doing your work because what i did and i hit burnout very quickly was that i i felt guilty knowing that if there was something on my to-do list and i was choosing not to do it then yeah. that would make me feel good. But here's the added thing, because um, you get a lot of procrastinators, and here's procrastinators are people who rebel against themselves. So <laughs> when you know you should be doing something, your inner your inner rebel will then kind of you know it, it triggers executive dysfunction, which is just a brain the part of your brain that just goes, I know that I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know, or I'm not going to do it, you know. Um, so, but that's because there's no permission there. If you're someone who has balance and gives yourself permission to switch off, and if you're a teacher trainer, you give yourself permission to switch off at a certain time, Mm -hmm. you will actually find it easier to engage the parasympathetic nervous system compared to someone who's walking around going, I need to do this, I should do this, I should do that, I should do that, but I also should rest, so I'll try and rest. But if your brain's still going should, 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 you're going to rebel against yourself and you're not actually stopping. But once you've actually properly rested and engaged the parasympathetic nervous system, 
you'll approach that to-do list, which isn't going anywhere, but you'll approach that to-do list with a bit more clarity. Also, yeah. really importantly, one of the main reasons why people constantly chase to-do lists and shoulds is because at the core of it, there's a fear that if their to-do list gets too big, they won't be able to cope. And that's nonsense. You you can cope, you will cope, and you'll also cope if you just leave that to-do list if it's still there at an inappropriate time of the day. Yeah, that's so important to hear. Have we got time for one more quick question? I think we might have. Yes. Um, can I throw it at you? Um, somebody uh, got in touch and said, I'm worried I'm going to have a panic attack or freeze in front of the class. What can I do? Mm. First of all, there's no such thing as a panic attack. I know I know it's a bit hypocritical because I write books about panic attacks and et cetera, et cetera. First of all, reframe the phrase panic attack to adrenaline rush. So what you're saying is, I hope I don't get an adrenaline rush at the start of the, at the top of the class. Well, here's the thing. Almost anyone who does public speaking or stands in front of people will get an adrenaline rush. What you're talking about is anticipatory anxiety, which is nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's like a rubbish radio station. Anticipatory <laughs> anxiety FM. And, and it will say things like, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I freeze and embarrass myself? What if I humiliate myself? What if I throw up in front of everyone? What if, I've heard them all. Anticipatory anxiety, interestingly, doesn't come from the same part of the brain as situational anxiety. So when you're there, yeah, you will be anxious. Good. It means you care. You know, if you walked in, strolled in, you, you didn't care, then you're not going to be a good teacher. So having that adrenaline rush is good. If you get a lot of adrenaline, that's okay. All the best enthusiastic teachers wave their arms around. They walk up and down. They're pointing at kids. They're using that adrenaline. You know, to, not at the moment they're, they're not. They're teaching behind personal <laughs> screens, but carry on. <laughs> well, wave your arms anyway. You could show, so con <laughs> convey, the, uh, convey that enthusiasm uh, and use that adrenaline to your advantage. Rather than saying, I'm going to freeze, I'm going to panic, I'm going to humiliate yourself, say, no, I'm going to have an adrenaline rush and it's fine. Also, have a bit of humility and a bit of honesty. Say, listen, uh, you know, obviously it's a bit different in front of, you know, in front of certain kids sometimes, but like, own it. Just be like, I'm a bit anxious, you know, but I'm looking forward to teaching you today, blah, blah, blah. Don't try and be someone Or they not. could have that inner monologue, couldn't they? They could have that inner monologue. If they didn't want to say yeah. that to the class, they could yeah, say, it's okay, like have that kind of, give themselves permission to feel anxious. And maybe shift those what ifs as well to what if it goes well? Is, is that, is that, can that work? You can try that, but yeah, what if it goes well, which is good. Well, you, you can assume that actually, well, anxiety can't hurt me. It mm. can't make me lose control. It can just give me these thoughts that give me a slideshow of me losing control. But how many times have you actually lost control in front of people? That's why I'd ask. How many times has anxiety yeah. made you completely lose control yeah sometimes you'll pause sometimes you'll have a, a brief moment where you can't find your words that's normal everyone has that yeah. I, you know job interviewers know that it doesn't mean necessarily it's a bad interview when people are that are doing that you practice it don't jump the ahead to the do... end of the year <laughs> we're oh, not sorry. there yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't Stuff mention like jobs <laughs> sorry sorry no no i'm just joking i'm just joking <laughs> No, yeah, but yeah, that, just in front in front of people, yeah, just 
that's good practice. Uh, anxiety is good. It can help you perform. And it also means you care. That is fantastic. Thank you so much um, for your time. It's been great to have um, a, an, an expert to be able to uh, put our questions to. So thanks so much for that. No, thank you. That's really interesting. And I hope if there's any trainee teachers or students listening, you know, um, you know, I wish you the best. Anxiety is not the end of the world. And uh, look after yourself and make sure there's balance. Mm-hmm.